Thank you, Daryl and Wayne, for leading us through that time. And again, welcome to everybody here and uh, anybody that is tuned in at home to our, our service after Christmas. Um, a couple of announcements before, before I get started here. The offering today is for the Missions Fund. And also just a reminder, if you haven't gotten back to somebody on the Missions Committee regarding the proposal uh, that was introduced, I think, two weeks ago, um, let me know. We'd like to hear back from everybody as soon as we could on that. Um, and then also a reminder that next Sunday we plan to start meeting at 9.30 and having Sunday school for both the adults and children at the same time. So a new year and a new start time, well, an old start time. So a reminder that we're going back to 9.30. Um, before I jump into what I have what I had on my mind for the adults, um, I wanted to share something for the children today. So if the children are brave enough to come up and spread out on the front two benches here, um, I have something that I'd like to share uh, to show you. And if you could just sit with your with your siblings. So let's have families sit together uh, because of what I want to want to show you. So if the children are willing to come up, um, I'm going to need a little help and we're going to talk a little bit about Christmas. You guys can just, why don't you just sit down over here on this side. Anna can sit down over here. Okay, so whenever we, I'm guessing when we think about Christmas, one of the things we think about is gifts. And we know that gifts are not the point of Christmas, but it is one of the things that we think about. And part of the reason that people choose to give gifts is to remember Jesus uh, being God's gift to us. So I've got along some gifts here that I'm going to need help opening, but... I, but what I have to tell you is that there's, not, there's an object inside that reminds us of something that Jesus gives us. So it's not really a gift like you're used to getting, but it's an object that will teach us a lesson. So if you aren't too disappointed with what's inside, I'm going to need some help opening. Now what I was going to do is give one box to each family, and we'll go, why don't we just go, um, we'll go with this here, why don't you guys help with that, and maybe just hold your gift, I'll tell you when I'm ready for them. And let's have, uh, can you all shake your gifts at home? I think it's safe to shake these. Let's have you all open the, yeah, Ashley hold that, help out. Uh, and we'll go one, we'll go one more over here. So we've got four. So it's, it's a little different than Christmas. There's not a gift for everybody. Let's start, who would like to start? It does, we can go in any order. So let's just, what we're going to do is just open up the present. And, let's, and don't worry about the box. Just tear it open and then show me what's on the inside. And we're going to talk about it. And remember that it means that this is something that Jesus does for each of us when we choose to follow him. So let's see here. Where are we going to start? Why don't we start over here and then we'll go over here. Would you want to open your gift first? You don't want to. Okay, well, we can go to somebody else if you want to hold it a little more. Shall we go to somebody else? Okay, well... Ashton and Annika, do you guys want to go first? So just open it up and just see what's inside, and we're going to see what, what it shows us that God does for us or what Jesus does for us. And today, you can just let your paper on the bench. I'll clean up after church. Can you help her open it up, Ashton? What is inside? 
So inside of the first box is a family picture. Any idea why there might be a family picture in a box? It's us. It is us, that's right. Okay, so here's the reason that I picked this, is that God tells us in Ephesians that, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, or we're actually all part of God's family. So because Jesus came, we used not to even be a part of his family. Now that Jesus came, he brings us all into his family. Okay, good job. So let's go over here. Uh, who wants to go next? You guys want to go next? Zoe, why don't you help her out and you guys open that one together. Let's see what's inside. Don't worry about the box, just look for the object. There is a difference between the way that boys and girls open gifts. <laughs> so just open up the box and see if you can see what's inside. Let me just see. Okay, so inside of that box were some little, can you see what that is? Little erasers. Any ideas what this might be a symbol of? What did Jesus do in our lives? He erases away our sins. He erases away our sins, exactly. Jesus came to be our Savior and to erase away our sins, so they are completely gone. All right, thank you. And are you ready to open yours now, or do you want to wait till last? You want to wait till last? Okay, all right. Kate, you want to go next? You might try the other side. I don't think it takes up too much from that side. There you go. Let's see what's in here. Hmm. So in here we have a paper and a pen. Any ideas what that might mean that Jesus does for us? You know what the Bible talks about in heaven? In heaven there's a book that's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And when we invite Jesus into our heart and our sins are erased, our names go in that book. So that is a huge gift uh, from Jesus um, that he gives by, the, by him coming and dying for us, is our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, guess what? We are down to the last one. Do you want to open that one? Can you tear it open? Maybe Liam can help you out and see what it is. Maybe that one was too hard. Okay, can you pull it out and let's see, let's see what it is. Okay, so we've got a white, just a white cloth. Any idea what that might be all about? In Revelations, God tells us that uh, when we get to heaven, we're going to be dressed not in little white cloths, but in robes of white. And that means that it's, it's his righteousness, and that's just that we're right with God and wrapped in white clothes um, and we can enjoy being in heaven with him forever. All right. Thank you all for helping me out with opening up those boxes and those four gifts that Jesus gives us. So he takes away our sins. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He brings us into his family, and he dresses us in robes of white. You may go back uh, to your parents. Thanks again for helping out.
Um, Caden and Ashton, could you all help pass these out? All right, so for the adults, I don't have anything to unwrap in boxes, but hopefully I want to just spend some time looking at Scripture and being reminded of, of truth um, from God's Word. So this Christmas season, as I was reading, uh, I was reading in, in the story in Matthew of, of Jesus' birth and the wise men coming, and their question is, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And you have Herod the king who was a very wicked man, he becomes very troubled. And it says the whole city was troubled with him. And they were looking for a king. And so the, the one element of, of the story of Christ coming to earth that just keeps coming back to me is just that he was king, he is king, and he in a lot of ways was establishing or introducing his kingdom and his reign. And so I want to just spend some time today being reminded of God's kingdom and if you read through the Gospels, uh, Jesus again and again is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven or, or God's kingdom is at hand. We are to repent. Um, and if, again, through the Gospels, there's so many stories and parables. The kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, and then what's interesting is even in the book of Acts where they're traveling and, and the missionaries, they, they refer to the gospel of the kingdom. And so it is the good news of Jesus, but it is also, it's the gospel of, of the kingdom of God. And, um, and so today, I guess, as I look at Christmas, but also as I look back on the year that we've come through and just even looking ahead, what do I need to be reminded of? And I just, I want to be reminded of God's kingdom and I want to look at a few attributes of his kingdom. And I think that that um, really needs to be our primary identity and can give us courage as we look ahead and, and go into the new year. So I just identified uh, five things about God's kingdom, and this topic obviously is huge. We're not going to get into a lot of things about the kingdom of God, but I do want us just to be reminded of these truths today and hopefully, hopefully be encouraged. So there are, like I said, I identified five primary, and we'll go through this. I may ask for help reading some scriptures, but just please follow along and fill in the main things that I have identified. But then down at the bottom, there's also room to write. And so there's far more than what I'm going to point out. And so if there's things that stand out to you about God's kingdom that he brought to earth in the person of Christ, uh, just fill in, fill in what you see down there. And I guess this will be a combination of Sunday school and a sermon and, and just spending time together in, in God's word. So I will start reading the first passage, Luke 1. Um, please flip there with me, and then I will ask for help after that reading Daniel uh, chapter 2. So Luke 1. And I'm going to actually read uh, 26 through 38. And we'll notice the first truth about God's kingdom here and out of, the, out of uh, Daniel 2. Luke 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the Gabriel... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, been found, you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So again, I want to just note, what do we learn about God's kingdom from the very start? Uh, When the angel Gabriel comes, and introduces this to Mary. It says, you're going to have a son. His name is going to be, going to be Jesus. Um, and then in, in verses 32 and 33 is, both, is the, the prophecy and the promise of, how God's king, of one attribute of God's kingdom. And it's the kingdom that will be established will have no end. He will reign forever, and there will be no end to this kingdom. So the first thing I just want us to be reminded of is that God's kingdom is eternal. So God's kingdom is eternal. And there's a lot of different words you could choose to fill in here. Um, so if you, if you have something else that you see, go ahead and fill that in. But the first truth is God's kingdom is eternal. And again, as I just look around at my life and, and the things that I face, I want to be anchored in God's kingdom and have his kingdom be my primary identity. All right, let's flip to Daniel chapter 2. And in Daniel 2, the king has just had a a vision of this giant statue that's made of different material. And at some point, there is a rock that comes out of the mountain, but the rock was not cut out with hands, and it rolls down or comes down and smashes this giant statue, and it crushes it to dust. And then this rock grows, becomes a mountain that actually fills the whole earth. And the king had no idea what that meant. But God gave the the meaning of that vision uh, to Daniel. And what we're just going to notice is the interpretation of that um, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, where, where the rock is symbolizing Jesus and God's kingdom. Would somebody be willing to read uh, verse 44? Just If you're there, don't be shy, just read it out loud. John, thank you. So it's the rock again is God's kingdom, and it points out at least four statements about the kingdom of God, uh, about it being eternal. So what are what are the four things? It will not be destroyed. So God's kingdom is here; it's going to be set up, but it will not be destroyed. No matter what comes against it, it will not be destroyed. So point A is that the kingdom will not be destroyed. As I was studying for this, I was just curious and did a little bit of reading about you know, other kingdoms and other governments and how long did they last. And you know, so the one we always often think of is the Roman Empire. Depending how you define it, it lasted for 499 years. And so that was right around 500 years. And what surprised me is there were only three empires that lasted longer than that. And the U.S., if you want to call it an, well, whatever term you want to put to it, um, if you look at it in the scope of things, is relatively young. 
But what's also shocking is if you look at it, there are not many kingdoms actually that have lasted longer. Earthly kingdoms just, they get set up and they fall eventually and they change. Um, so God's kingdom will never be destroyed is the first thing. What is the second thing that we see? And also it is a, it will not be, I don't know how, how it read in the King James, but it won't be passed on to another person. And that could, uh, or it won't be left for another, another person. And again, throughout history, there were great kingdoms. People would come in and conquer them and take over. And God's kingdom will never be handed to somebody else that takes it uh, from him. Again, you know, thinking about the kingdoms, uh, Hayden and Ash and I had listened to a podcast um, in the last couple of months about Alexander the Great. And here you have somebody who marched almost around the world or what was known, taking over, and then he died. And his kingdom gets divided up and just, um, you know, it, it just, it's so pointless, all, everything that went into it, and then he's gone, and then it just, it's all splintered. But God's kingdom is never going to be passed to someone else in that way. Uh, the third thing we see here is that it will actually break into pieces all of the other kingdoms. I think that's something that I need to be reminded of, just looking around the world that we live in, God's kingdom will actually break into pieces all other earthly kingdoms. Isaiah tells us that the earthly kingdoms that we can see are literally just a drop in the bucket and a speck of dust on the scale when compared to God's kingdom. And I need to keep that in front of me, uh, just you know, all the things that we're thinking about and and all the things that are happening here now is that God's kingdom will break other kingdoms into pieces. And then the last one is that it's, it will last forever. So the length of time, there will be no end to God's kingdom. So God's kingdom is eternal. All right, let's go to Hebrews uh, 12 and look at verses 25 through 29. And can I just have a volunteer to read that as well? Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. All right, I'll read that, and if somebody could be ready to read John 18, um, that would be great. So John, or Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those do not, did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will, he, will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven, this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we have a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable, ser acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So it's referencing when the, the children of Israel came to the mountain where they were going to meet God, and God was going to shake the mountain. And he's saying that yet once again, he's going to shake the heavens and the earth, and the things that are created are going to be taken away. But the things that are not created will last forever. And he says that our kingdom cannot, well, God's kingdom that we are a part of, cannot be shaken regardless of what happens. So let's just remember that, and then let's flip over to John 18, uh, verses 33 through 38. John 18, 33 through 38. 
Okay, thanks, Daryl. All right, thank you. So here's Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate is wanting to know, are you a king? And he does say that he is a king by talking about having a kingdom. But he defines his kingdom as being not of this world. If it had been, then his servants would have been fighting to try to keep this from happening to him. So he does recognize that he is a king, and his kingdom is not of this realm or not of this world. So there's a number of ways we could say this. Um, I just decided to say God's kingdom is heavenly or it's not of this world. So God's kingdom is heavenly. So eternal speaks of, of the length of time that it is without end. You could also say it you know, by its definition or quality, it's eternal or it's heavenly. Okay, let's look at uh, three other pa short passages. Luke 17, 20 through 21 and see the next thing that God's kingdom is. Luke 17, 20 through 21. And I'll read this one. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. So here he's saying that the kingdom is not going to come with signs. And one thing I just need us to understand is obviously the kingdom was introduced with many miracles and signs. And the word that he's using here for signs, this is the only place he talks about it. And it has the idea of more of a, um, more of just a worldwide announcement or just a bigger event that it's here. So obviously he introduces the kingdom with, with miracles, but it's not going to be a place that's just here it is, and everybody can go see it. He says, actually, the kingdom of God is where? In you, in the midst of you. Um, so God's kingdom, while it's eternal and it's heavenly, uh, it also is an internal kingdom. So God's kingdom is internal. So again, that it's not just, it's not just a place. You can't, can't say that God's kingdom is, is just here. It's internally in our hearts. Um, and thinking about that in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so God's kingdom is wherever his reign is being recognized and people are coming under his leadership. Um, so God's kingdom is, in, uh, is internal. Okay, let's go to Romans 14, 17. Again, another passage that brings out God's kingdom being internal and, and what it's like. And in Romans 14, it's dealing with matters of the conscience, and, and God is giving instructions on how to handle that. Um, so I will read uh, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So again, we're, we're lifting out a verse out of a lot of instructions on how to relate to each other, but he's saying that God's kingdom is not just a matter of external things. It's not just eating or drinking or whether you eat or whether you drink. But he goes ahead, he lists three things, and if you notice, I think one of the key things is the end of that verse is that it's in the Holy Spirit. So God's kingdom is his spirit living in us, 
And then it actually produces the, the three things that are listed there, the righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So God's kingdom is internal, internal, meaning that his Holy Spirit is living in us. Okay, and then let's look at 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 20 yet with this, this point. Uh, verses 20 and 21, or sorry, 19 and 20. But I will, come, I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. So again, he's addressing a specific situation here, but God's kingdom is not just a matter of saying the right words or knowing the right words but it is literally God's power in us and working, working in us and through us. Um, so it is a matter of, of power and not just words. So God's kingdom is internal. I struggled a little bit with that one because, yes, it's internal, but it also affects everything externally. Um, but this is what we're, we're zoning in on this section of what, what God's kingdom is like. Okay, let's go uh, to Daniel 7. 13 through 14, another thing that we will learn about God's kingdom. Daniel 7, 13 through 14. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So a lot of the things that we've seen earlier in Daniel are highlighted here, but I want us to notice in verse 14, he talks about that people from every nation and every language are going to be part of this kingdom. So God's kingdom is for all people groups. God's kingdom is for all people groups. So God's kingdom is eternal. God's kingdom is heavenly. God's kingdom is internal. And God's kingdom is for all people groups. And let's go on in Daniel 7 and read verse 27. Uh, then and then also flip forward to Luke to, uh, for the last one. Luke 7 uh, verse 27. Then the, uh, the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. So highlighting again that it's, it's an everlasting kingdom, but did you catch the part that who's it going to be given to? Who does God's kingdom end up being given to. And this is a prophecy that's hard to understand, but it says it'll be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. So let's go ahead to Luke 12 and hold that thought. Uh, and then we'll read Luke 12, 29 through 34. Yeah. And this is right in the, in the section of, of scripture here where Jesus is talking about not storing up treasures for yourself <clears throat> and not worrying um, for the future. But I'll read verses, uh, starting in verse 29. And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. 
But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And I will just add here that I often, when I think about this passage, I kind of stop there, and I don't always remember what comes next. Uh, So let's notice that. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourself money belts which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the Daniel passage is looking ahead and it's hard to understand what does God mean by his kingdom being given to his saints. But this is more, more every day. It's talking about not worrying and don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't seek these things. Seek God's kingdom first. And then he says, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Why? He says, because it's the Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. And I'm just curious, as you think about that, what does it mean, reading about God's kingdom, what does it mean that he gladly chooses to give the kingdom to his followers? I'd love to hear a little bit of feedback on that um, in just a, uh, just a bit here. But just... You know, just looking at the verse that God is saying that we don't need to be afraid, and he uses the word father, so we have God who's our father, but he's also a king. He's king of kings and lord of lords because he has a kingdom. And it says that he will gladly give the kingdom, which our entrance into the kingdom is definitely a gift. It's something that God gives us. It's a free gift of grace. And so he will, and if just looking at his character, he will gladly give it. So God is a, a father and a king who gladly gives entrance and gives the kingdom to his followers and tells us that we can trust him, that he will gladly do that. So I'd be curious just to hear a little bit of discussion here as we, well, as we wrap up. Um, what does it mean that God gladly gives his kingdom to his followers? So, and, and just... Uh, The fifth point is that God's kingdom is given to his followers. And obviously God's kingdom, he is still king, and everything is meant to bring glory to Jesus and and glory to the Father, but somehow he does give his followers the kingdom or an entrance into the kingdom. And that's referenced in Daniel 7 and also in Luke 12. So God's kingdom is given to his followers. Anybody have any thoughts or questions or comments about this verse here and, and uh, how that applies to an eternal kingdom and the things that we've been talking about this morning? Yeah, thank you, Pete. So people who are, and whether it's us or whoever that are, and Pete's referencing the man that talked to Johnny Miller, years of being against God, and God gladly grants forgiveness and, and opens the kingdom. Yeah. <clears throat> Dad. A thought along this line. <clears throat> God's kingdom is in us now. Mm-hmm. And then he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we are his kingdom, representing his kingdom in this world. Mm-hmm. But we are not of this world, but we are of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. So an ambassador represents his kingdom. Now then, 
So we live here, but we're ambassadors of another kingdom, and ambassadors of Christ, the kingdom in us. Thank you. Any other thoughts on, on God's kingdom or these verses here? One of the things that, that I think we need to remember when we talk about the kingdom of God is that it's here and it's in us, and yet it's also future. And it's, it's not fully revealed, but yet it is here. And it is present. We're called to live in it, uh, to represent God's kingdom wherever we go. When you read about it, the one way people reference it is that it's it's here, but not yet, um, is one way that people often will will give both the present tense and the future tense of God's kingdom. All right. Well, thank you for uh, your part in helping go through the study. And again, for me, I just wanted to to be reminded of God's kingdom, and and a kingdom reflects a king. And so just the, the eternal attributes of God that are reflected in his kingdom and that we can live in this reality uh, this week and in the year ahead. So, all right, uh, let's stand and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, now we just want to pause and, and recognize you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And God, thank you that your kingdom is eternal God, it will never be destroyed. It won't even come close to being shaken or destroyed. Um, Father, we recognize that we are only a part of your kingdom because you have called us to yourself. You've bought us back. Uh, you came um, came in, in human flesh and redeemed us, and that's what we're remembering this week. Uh, so, Lord, I just pray that the truth of your kingdom would capture our hearts and uh, that we could live in, in that confidence and in that hope. And uh, just remind us that we really are a part of another kingdom. And uh, may we be ambassadors of that and just point other people to you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you. We worship you. You're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.